All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for another Her Wild Outdoors podcast episode. Karen Nesbitt is joining me today from Canada. Oh, Canada. Um, Karen, thank you. I am really happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm super excited. Of course. We were talking a little bit um, back and forth about how part of my family is from Saskatchewan and Yes. I I've never been up there. Our, the plan is to, to go. go next summer, so we're gonna have to. If I'm gonna be there a week, we're gonna have to figure out a way to meet halfway and have. Oh, for sure. Something I would absolutely love that. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and if you can make it to Saskatchewan for the hunting season, there's some really good duck hunting there. Oh my goodness, we're gonna add that. Will have to be in the plans for sure. Yeah, well, definitely. <laughs> thank you for joining me today. And we did also talk a little bit uh, beforehand that we're going to have this awesome conversation and get to know you and, and a few of your passions and who you are. But then I'm also going to have you back so that we can talk a little bit more about waterfowl conservation and what that looks like, whether it's in Canada or the US or wherever you are. And I'm excited mm-hmm. about that conversation. As yeah, well. definitely. Yeah. Well, give us just a little bit of an introduction into who you are and kind of how the outdoors became a passion of yours. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm Kara. Uh, I'm a biologist here in Alberta, Canada. Um, so that's just above Montana for those folks who aren't super familiar with their Canadian geography. Um, I first started getting into the outdoors when I was probably seven or eight years old my parents would ship me off to my aunt and uncle's hobby farm um about a couple hours near edmonton from where i'm from Mm -hmm. um so i'd spend summers on my aunt's farm um she had chickens ducks homing pigeons horses cattle turkeys so i was a busy girl kind (laughs) of going around doing all my farm chores (laughs) and going through the garden and getting our dinner all sorted out um so yeah that was kind of my first introduction and uh, my aunt and uncle had a German shepherd dog named Tex. And I remember so clearly uh, he had a bit of a bad hip. And at that moment I was like, I'm going to go to veterinary school. I'm going to go to school and I can fix you. And at that time, obviously like he was nearing the end of his life and, you know, young Kara didn't really realize that. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was kind of my, what I wanted to do when I grew up. So I think I'm, I'm kind of where I wanted to be, maybe not exactly, but uh, I'm still pretty happy with my career path and where I've ended up. So, Tell us a little bit about that, because that is what is fascinating to me. And how did you decide? Well, I mean, I I hear that you wanted to be involved with wildlife in some form or fashion with vet school or however that was Mm -hmm. going to turn out. But how did it switch from vet to biologist? So when I was in high school, I didn't struggle with my schooling or anything like that, but I definitely felt like I wasn't the smartest person or wasn't living up to my potential anyways. Um, So I didn't really think about going to university when I was in high school. It kind of fell to the wayside. I was kind of building my career in business, um, did a lot of administrative and uh, data stuff Mm -hmm. in my jobs that I had at the time. Um, So from that, I kind of decided I was going to go into business. So I applied and started my Bachelor of Commerce degree, um, completely switched to 180 from what I had always thought I would do when I was younger. Um, And during during that degree, I was kind of in an unhealthy relationship, felt really unfulfilled and just kind of unhappy with where I was. So I started looking outwards to volunteer opportunities. 
And that led me to volunteer at the Valley Zoo. Um, so just one of the zoos that's local to me in Edmonton. Um, started volunteering there. And after my first shift, I was just like, you know what? I cannot sit in an office for the rest of my life. Um, this degree is not going to make me happy. I don't know what I was thinking. I obviously was doing well in my degree, but it just wasn't feeling that passion for me. Mm -hmm. um, so after that first shift at the zoo, uh, I got to work with red pandas and our red-tailed lemurs. Um, so just from that point on, I was just like, yeah, no, this isn't it for me. I uh, applied to switch and uh, transfer my two years of my Bachelor of Commerce into sciences. And the rest is kind of history from that. <laughs> I think that it's amazing when you think about volunteer circumstances. So right now, mm -hmm. my daughter is in her last year of junior high. So she will be a, a high schooler next year. And that's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. I, I'm not quite prepared for that, but that is what it is. Those are formative years. <laughs> yes. But the requirement here is for you to have service hours, mm, volunteer okay. service hours. And I think it's a good thing to put high schoolers yeah. through and middle schoolers because it kind of gets them not thinking about just making money, but finding something that they love to do in order to yeah, volunteer. Definitely. So uh, my daughter has figured out she really does love animals. She really does Aww. love helping people. And whether that turns into a career path like yours has, yeah. or whether it just instills that passion for the outdoors even more, I think mm -hmm. that we overlook how important volunteering is because oh, sure. whether but you're in the job that you love or not, the way that you spend your time outside of that is where you find joy sometimes. If they both mm -hmm. can encompass each other, yay for you. Yeah, <laughs> and you've been able totally. to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I do find too that when you're in high school, there's just so much pressure. It's like, what do you want to be for the rest of your yes. life? What do you want to do for the rest of your life? And you have no idea. So getting that volunteer experience and getting to kind of dabble in a bunch of different areas will definitely help you form that opinion or mm -hmm. idea of what you want to do. So it's tough. <laughs> yeah. Well, what did, when did, um, when did it go from a passion for the outdoors to a job? So when you got done with university, how did you get the job that you've landed now? Um, so that's kind of an interesting question because it wasn't following my degree that I was able to kind of fall into those footsteps. Mm -hmm. um, it was more so during my degree. Um, so a lot of times I'll let other students know or other folks that have asked for advice um, while you're doing your degree. Those are the times when you need to take advantage of those student positions. Yes. And oftentimes those student positions are awful pay. Um, you might have to move or relocate, um, but those jobs are the jobs that are going to help you build your career once you've graduated. Mm -hmm. And that was the case with me. Um, I was in my third year, I believe, and was kind of struggling to find a summer position. I had a couple offers, but nothing really excited me too much. And then I got a random call from Saskatchewan, and I'm from Alberta, so <laughs> not, not, we don't really go to Saskatchewan, mostly go west to <laughs> British Columbia, not going to lie. Yeah. Um, but I get this, get this phone call from Saskatchewan, and they're like, hey, do you want a job counting birds and banding ducks? And I'm like... 
okay, like ducks are cool, I guess. That wasn't really my, what I had in my mind anyways for Mm -hmm. my career path. I really like fur bears. So I wanted to kind of look at fox or coyote or stuff like that. Um, So I'm like, okay, like this will be a cool position to put on my resume, no big deal. Um, But taking this job and moving was the biggest decision I could have made because that's kind of what has brought me into the career path that I'm in now. Um, So yeah, looking back, it's just that was a big, big decision that I didn't realize would be so valuable and such a big thing looking back. So mm-hmm. yeah, just you got to take advantage of those jobs that come up that may not seem super great as far as relocation and wage, because I definitely didn't make any money that summer. But <laughs> I came out with a lot of valuable experience yeah. and made some really good connections. Yeah, it's it's almost like I don't even want to call it a sacrifice because it's it's more mm-hmm. of an investment, right? It's oh, more sure. it's more of you're being flexible. It's like you're standing on a ball and your hips are mm-hmm. the things that are creating this situation where you're not going to fall. Everybody thinks yeah, lock sure. your legs, lock your legs, keep your feet. It's all <laughs> in your feet, but actually it's in your hips. It's at your core. And so mm-hmm. to be able to be flexible there, to be able to be flexible to think, well, that could be more beneficial. That could lean into something that could make, Mm -hmm. like you said, a great connection. And I think that we become so tunnel visioned toward one thing that we're not able to see all of these different options that are coming out beside us that could actually lead to something even better than what we think is going to be the better thing. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely recognize my privilege because I know that there's some students and some people that may not have access to take those positions Mm -hmm. that don't pay well. Um, So I do recognize that. But if you're able to take advantage of those opportunities and just understand that it may not be the best financial decision, Mm -hmm. but you're going to come out with so much more than money at the end of it. um, I think that's what counts. Yeah. Yeah. I think this day and age, everything is about money. I think it, mm-hmm. it I think there's a lot of focus on, I mean, I remember growing up and it was, you have to go to college. You have to go to college because that mm-hmm. is how you are going to financially be independent and you need that. Yeah. It's it, almost a trap though, because then is. you're in that student loan debt mm-hmm. and oh, it's, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think, you know, we, we forget that the trade system is also really important. And I think that yeah. each person has their own path that is going to kind of weave a little and it's going to wobble a little and it might not be comfortable. You might be eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and uh, lots of ramen noodles. Lots of ramen noodles. (laughs) I I think that uh... that was your (laughs) go-to. Yeah, usually. (laughs) I think that it, it does show though that passion for what you do can supersede Mm -hmm. comfort for a little while. Oh, definitely. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Got to sacrifice the comfortable feelings to get ahead. So I agree. I agree. Or even just to be happy. I mean, to be able to mm-hmm. do something every single day that you love, a lot of people don't have that. And it's yeah, very exactly. special to find that. So I'm excited for you. Tell us a Thanks. little bit about your job now. 
Yeah, so right now, um, I know you guys see a lot of duck stuff on Instagram, but yes. I'm actually an environmental <laughs> consultant. Um, okay. So that's my, that's what pays my bills. Unfortunately, the ducks don't pay my bills right now, but uh, <laughs> we're going to try and make that change in the future. Um, but right now, uh, I work with AJM Environmental here in Calgary, Alberta. Um, so what that entails is we just do a lot of construction monitoring, um, do a lot of environmental compliance work. Um, right now, one of the projects I'm working on uh, in southern Alberta, uh, we're monitoring for snakes. Um, so we actually kind of drive the roads along one of the construction sites and pick up snakes and pit tag them. Um, so that's really fun. It's a great conservation piece. Mm -hmm. We get to monitor the snake populations. And a lot of people who drive by are like, oh, my God, what are those girls doing? Why are they handling snakes? And it's a really good education piece because people will come and talk to us. And it gives us an opportunity to be like, yeah, they're snakes, but they're not that bad. Everyone kind of has a negative connotation of snakes. And yeah, they can look a little scary and some of them might be venomous, but um, they're really cool animals. And it's really amazing to kind of have an opportunity to be so involved with them. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to kind of share that and uh, kind of get rid of those negative feelings towards them because they're just as important as any other animal. It's very true. You, here in Tennessee, it is actually illegal to kill a snake. Yeah, that's. I'm happy to hear that because mm -hmm. their populations are suffering a little bit. It is they, <laughs> at least and, here in Canada. But. Well, and I think that all over. And there's also the difference between coming up on a snake snake that's minding his own business and a, mm -hmm. a dangerous situation or a child that's yeah. involved. Like there are situations, but for the most part, I mean, I stepped over a rattlesnake this spring and just kept walking and. Yeah, they're just minding their own business. They are, and I think that the danger comes when you surprise them. Yeah, or when for you're sure, because they're, they're going to be in defense mode. Yes, and and I think that, I don't know, I think that there's more awareness out right now, but you still see, I still have a hard time seeing those pictures of snakes being killed and shown off. I know. And I think that they are valuable pieces to our environment, to the habitat situation. And I mean, we found just the other week, I found a beautiful gray rat snake in my mom's pool, just a little baby. Oh. And oh. he needed out. He needed, luckily it was a saltwater pool and not a chlorine pool, but it was, mm -hmm. it was just, you know, scoop him out and take him to the back of the the area and let him loose. Oh, that's and so good of you guys. <laughs> my mom loves snakes. I remember my grandfather oh, <laughs> was a forester um, out west in New Mexico. And mm -hmm. I remember her telling stories of a snake giving babies on the bed at one point that he had picked up and it needed – I can't even remember what the whole story was behind it, but I just yeah. remember hearing the story that all of a sudden there were babies everywhere. <laughs> it was, oh, my God. Could you imagine? No. If that was spiders, that's like my worst fear. I Snakes hate, I could handle, but spiders I not hate so spiders. much. I hate them. Yeah, I can't handle that. Um, but for baby snakes, like they – my mom has always been the cat that will pick one up and show us oh. what it was about. And, and that's amazing. So it has not been like, I don't think I've ever had a fear of them. I've had a healthy respect. Nice. That's them. awesome. That's the way to, mm -hmm. that's the way to have a good relationship with <laughs> yeah. a, an animal. So. I just rather them do their own thing and I'll do my own thing and we can go our different ways and, and we'll be good. I think we only have three yeah. venomous species in Tennessee and it's the timber rattler, the water moccasin and the um the copperhead. 
Okay. Yeah, not too familiar with your guys' species. Um, mm -hmm. We've got prairie rattlesnakes up here. Those are generally our only venomous ones. Mm -hmm. We've got some hognose, which are really, really cool-looking snakes. Those if you've are ever stinking seen one of cool. Them. Like, I really want to come they up got on little pig snows. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. Everyone on our project is just like, oh, my God, did you see a hognose today? And we all kind of just, like, fight over who's going <laughs> to see the hognose because it's just <laughs> such a cool experience. They're amazing-looking snakes. And then we've also got bull snakes, which are – they're not venomous. They're a little aggressive, but you can handle them and not – really worry about mm -hmm. venom or anything like that um i'll just plug in here too as well uh with the fall right now they're migrating back to their hibernacula um so you're going to start seeing them on the roads a little bit more because they're all trying to come back to their breeding area for the winter mm -hmm. at least that's here in alberta i'm not sure if the migration happens similar down for you guys um but we're definitely seeing more mortalities on roads just Aww. because they're trying to make their way back to their little homes yeah um so i'm just trying to tell as many people as possible break for the snakes and just let them <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> yes, we we don't. I see them a lot in the spring here when we're turkey hunting. Mm -hmm. uh, That's when they're leaving the hibernacula. Yes, and so I think our season doesn't really start cooling until the mid to end of October. So okay. I think that that's probably around the time that they start heading back is when that season yeah. starts changing. So we're a little bit later. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. For sure, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I do want to touch on something because um, mm -hmm. getting – changing directions – changing from one major, one focus of study to another, changing into uh, like what we talked about, taking that extra leap one way mm -hmm. or another, <laughs> whether it was planned or not. Sometimes yeah. change is one of the hardest things for our minds and our hearts and our bodies to kind of yes. grasp. And you kind of you hinted a little bit ago about a bad relationship and how that has had impact, but I can mm -hmm. also understand how not knowing what the future is like and having a whole lot of questions about it can bring up anxiety and can bring mm -hmm. up um, just triggers of different things. And uh, we have talked so openly about mental health and the focus of it on this podcast. And I think that you probably have um, some insight into that and how that has impacted your life. Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head with uh, <laughs> the stresses and the anxieties of change. Um, yeah. It's definitely hard and you just have to balance, am I making the right decision between I'm not happy right now in my current position, so I need to make a change mm -hmm. to kind of get over that hump. Um, as far as relationships go, it's been really tough. Um, I've had probably two major relationships in my life and obviously those both failed. Um, I think there was a reason for that though. Um, just when you're stuck in a relationship, and I don't mean stuck, but you're in that mindset, it's hard to kind of make changes that are going to very majorly affect that relationship. So me moving to Saskatchewan, mm -hmm. that would have had a very significant detrimental effect on my relationship at the time, and it did. Yeah. Um, no regrets, though, because my career, I'm going to have that for the rest of my life. Right. And if a, boy, if a boy wants to stay, he'll stay. And if he doesn't, then that's kind of on him. Um 
yeah, I don't know. I struggle with that one. And I'm kind of just focusing on myself right now and putting myself first because there's been a lot of opportunities that have come up that I've kind of said no to because I put my relationship first and mm-hmm. that didn't serve me now in this current position. So I'm kind of in a different place right now. I'm not really looking. If something happens, great. And it's fate, then sure, I'll follow my heart. Um, <laughs> but for right now, the ducks kind of have my heart first and yeah. foremost. So. Um, but yeah, as far as mental, (laughs) yeah, for sure. I love them and they love me. It's uh, mutual. (laughs) Um, but yeah, as far as uh, mental health goes, when I was in high school, like I mentioned, I definitely didn't struggle with my education, but I also didn't have to study. So when I got into university and got into my first few biology classes where I actually did need to study, it was such a disaster. I had no study habits, didn't know how to study, was kind of just flailing, treading water, not knowing what I was going to do. I had moments of wondering if I was even going to finish this four-year degree. Mm -hmm. Like, what the heck am I thinking? What am I doing here? Like, I don't belong here. I'm not smart enough for this. Hello, Um, imposter syndrome. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's so, so, so hard. But um, when you're in that mindset, it's just, it's hard to kind of dig yourself out. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did seek some professional help with that. And Good for you. Yeah, thank you. Um, As frustrating as it was, though, I did get diagnosed with ADHD, Mm. and I was probably in my third year of my biology degree, and I was 25 or 26. So at that moment, I was just kind of frustrated. I'm like, wow, if I would have known this years and years ago, where would I be now? Mm -hmm. Um, So I still kind of grapple with that. I'm trying to just accept it for what it is. Um, But there's still those days where it's like, wow, I'm sitting here, I'm 28. If I had been more... If I knew this and could get a better handle on it, where would I have been instead of where I am now? Would I be further ahead? Would my career be a little bit more stable? Um, so there's all those what thoughts. Ifs. Mm-hmm. What ifs? Yeah, exactly. So like, it was a godsend to finally have that diagnosis because I can better kind of handle challenges that come to me and I feel a little bit more prepared for continuing on my education Mm -hmm. and looking at graduate school and stuff Um, but it definitely is frustrating still to kind of have such a late diagnosis and that is really um, consistent with females. Um, Most women are diagnosed a lot later in life. We don't present like the typical little boy in class who's just really you know jiving around in the back of the classroom, mm-hmm. really loud and noisy and disruptive. Um, most girls don't present like that. They're, they can sometimes be a little bit more quieter, a little more daydreamy and stuff like that. Um, I definitely presented with a combination of that, mm-hmm. but it, it was kind of just looked at as more of a chatty girl who daydreams. Yeah. So didn't really, didn't really help me out too much. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to bring more awareness to that as well because I think females sometimes get forgotten in that realm of diagnosis it's kind of more lean towards anxiety or depression Mm -hmm. and I think those two things are often comorbidities of ADHD Mm -hmm. and that was at least for my case Um, so getting a handle on my ADHD the depression is almost non-existent my anxiety is that here and there um, but I think those two are kind of kitten caboodle they're very tied together for Mm -hmm. me anyways Um, but yeah it's been it's been a journey to kind of get to this point and uh, figure that out about myself. Um, but knowing it now, it's 
I can just, I feel like I can handle more. I, I know what I'm dealing with. I have my strategies to kind of overcome my struggles that I have. I'm really bad at procrastinating. I don't <laughs> like sitting for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to work on it day by day. I listen to a lot of podcasts on it as well to just kind of learn more. So just continuous learning and uh, just being open to what else is out there. So I think that you, I love that you call it a journey because Mm -hmm. I think that that whether you are struggling with mental health or you are on a journey of maintaining the health that you have worked hard for, it's never something you can become complacent about. It's always something you have to, you have to stay proactive. You have to stay Mm -hmm. on top of things. I think uh, I'm glad that you said that about sometimes things can be misdiagnosed and and completely mm. missed when an easy it honestly it just takes sitting down and talking it 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 takes looking inward <laughs> it takes and that's hard for a kid we've mm-hmm. we've talked multiple times our household is 100% open to counseling, to therapy, to whenever whenever it's needed, it is, it's almost sometimes too late. And so Mm -hmm. staying on top of things, keeping open communication with us, we have been able to kind of, I wouldn't say beat or headline it off or, or push it off. We have had to deal with things on occasion, but Uh, those therapists are there to give you tools to use. And we talk about Mm -hmm. that all the time with the kids. These are your tools. This is your tool belt to be able to think, okay, what is going on? How am I feeling right now? And what tool would work for this situation? I wish I had Mm -hmm. that as a kid. I know. That's amazing that you're doing that for your kids, though. Like, that's going to be so valuable to them as they grow up and get into their adulthood. So that's amazing. Just being able to communicate feelings, to be able to communicate (laughs) the correct feeling, um, to go through, uh, you know, what what. can make this feel better? How can you head it off at the pass before it gets too bad? And honestly, Mm -hmm. going outdoors fixes it 99% of the time. Yes, totally. That's one of my therapies, honestly. Just Mm -hmm. go sit out in the sunshine and listen to the birds. Go look at some ducks. It's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And it's free. (laughs) It's free. Just going for a walk. You're talking endorphins. You're talking breathing in fresh air. You can ground your feet. There are just so many Mm -hmm. ways that those physical things that you introduce right then and there can almost snap you out of that anxious feeling or that feeling of cycling down or Mm -hmm. anything that you're facing, just stepping outside and taking a deep breath and kind of centering yourself again can, can snap you completely out of it. And Mm -hmm. I'm glad that we have that ability. I'm glad that we're able to step outside to go on a walk and, and to be in the outdoors, whether you're a hunter or a fisherman or a hiker or a backpacker, like whatever that means Mm -hmm. to you, this is her wild outdoors. It's not her hunter. It's not her fisherman. It's everything (laughs) encompasses because that heals our souls and Mm -hmm. it's important to celebrate that part of it. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah. I know I can recognize though it's hard to get out of bed sometimes on those rough days, <laughs> yeah. but if you yeah. just get yourself out and uh-huh. into the sunshine, it's, it's yeah, true. you're going to be heading uphill just from that. It's so. true. Sometimes you can't even get into your vehicle to go somewhere. Sometimes you oh just gosh, need to put your feet into grass and give yourself mm-hmm. a good five minutes to mm-hmm. to get yourself out of a little funk and um whether you do that 10, 15, 100 times a day, whatever you need, it's important. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. That reminds me, um, we were duck banding actually, and uh, we we were all just kind of tired. It's getting to the end of the season, and we just needed a break. So we all just kind of laid on the grass and looked up and just were cloud watching. And I'm like, I haven't done this since I was probably in grade <laughs> school. Like, I forgot about cloud watching. It's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely yeah, love it. It was, it was the best break. <laughs> I... I think we underestimate that power and totally um, and don't utilize it as much. I do want to hear a little bit more about this duck banding and what yeah. a waterfowl biologist, what, tell us a little bit about the details behind, um, behind waterfowl and how you've kind of jumped into that, but also how hunting coincides with that, how, um, you see it as a part of of being a better biologist yeah for sure um so i think a lot of times people kind of look at me as a female and a biologist and they just automatically assume oh you must be vegan or vegetarian (laughs) and you must be against hunting and that couldn't be further from the truth um so although i didn't grow up hunting (laughs) yeah surprise um hunting is very important um but Yeah, just growing up, my family wasn't big into hunting or anything like that. We did a lot of fishing trips and camping trips, but hunting was kind of more something that I've gotten into myself the past Mm -hmm. few years. Um, But fishing, big part of our life growing up. Um, And just as a biologist now, I can recognize how important that is, um, though I didn't really see it before. But all of that money and all of the licensing and fees that fishermen and hunters will pay for, that money is so valuable to going back into the habitat, mm-hmm. protection areas, um, conserving those environments, restoring those environments, protecting our birds. Um, so I'm very pro-hunter, pro-fisher. We need hunters and fishermen in our worlds to kind of keep the conservation cycle going. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I just, I have a few friends that are vegan and vegetarian, and though I don't knock it or anything, I do try to get them to have an open mind about it at least, just mm-hmm. to recognize that these these recreational activities are so important, and that's what funds and gives us our Alberta parks. Yeah. Um, so Alberta parks gets to have all this funding to play around with. Um, the federal government gets that as well through our um, duck banding stamp, or sorry, our duck uh, hunting stamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so all that money kind of goes back and feeds into all these programs, and it's super important. And yeah, I'm big pro hunter. <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, as far as being a waterfowl biologist, I feel like I've held a few roles now that have kind of, I have to have a certain gap that I fill based on my position that I've held. Um, But essentially my ethics and values around um, waterfowl and wetland protection doesn't really change. Um, As far as positions I've held, I've worked up north in Fort McMurray at Suncor. Um, Suncor does a lot of gas and oil um, creation and 
processing and all sorts of stuff up there. And with that, there becomes tailings ponds. Um, and these tailings ponds have a lot of bitumen and oil on the surface of the water, but it also looks very attractive to birds that are coming in and migrating. Mm. Um, so one of my jobs with that was to be a part of the deterrent programs to keep those birds off of those ponds because they are not good for those birds. No. Um, so in that position as a waterfall biologist, I kind of feel like I'm helping the bad guy, but I also want to help those birds because who else is going to do it? Right. Um, so I def- definitely took pride in that job and wanted to do the best that I could but there were definitely some harder days that didn't really make you feel too good about industry um I won't talk too much about that but yeah, yeah it's just the ethics different part of it yeah 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 exactly so I struggled a little bit with that definitely didn't feel my passion I didn't really feel good about it at the end of the day um so I got out of that um and then, as I mentioned, uh, when I did that duck banding position in Saskatchewan, um, just being able to hold a duck, your perspective completely changes. You have this live bird that's just looking at you and is like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you holding me? What are you doing to my leg? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, banding those birds, just, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't explain enough what an experience that is and if anybody ever has the opportunity to participate in a banding program whether that's songbirds or owls or waterfowl um highly 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 recommend that's awesome (laughs) absolutely it's an amazing amazing thing to actually have a trip coming up right yes i do i am going to california um to work with brian huber at cal waterfowl um when we're doing some rocket net banding and i've never done that before so i'm super super excited i'm excited to follow along that journey because i want to hear yes, all about stay it tuned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it'll be it's gonna be really really fun i've never done rocket net stuff i don't believe we do much of that up here in canada um just the rocket nets pose a whole bunch of issues mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as uh yeah, it's almost like a firearm, but not exactly. But the government obviously is very strategic about those kinds of techniques. Right. Um, but yeah, super excited to go to California. I haven't been to California in very, very long. I think the last time I went, I went to Disneyland. So it's not going to be a Disneyland trip this it time. It will not be. How long will you be there? No. <laughs> I'm just going for seven days. I'm going in between some of my shifts, so I don't really have a lot of time, but Mm -hmm. uh, seven days, I think, should be a good amount of time. That should be, and that will be exciting. I think that anytime we get to do something that we love with people that do it well... Is, yeah, I'm so excited to meet some really cool yeah, people. Yeah, and to be able to take the takeaways from that will be uh, life-changing for you. Oh, for sure. It'll be yes. things that you'll be able to utilize in the future and even now. And so I think mm-hmm. that that's another thing, being able to just step away and say, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to spend my free time or this is how I want to spend the extra time that I have. And and that is that shows you that it is a passion. It shows it that you have taken it to a different level of just a job. Mm. It is something that you love. Yeah, if I could duck band for the rest of the year, <laughs> my whole year, I would just be such a happy lady. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, that's kind of like me. If I could just be outside all the yes. time, all day, 
even if it's in a teaching mode, I would do it 100% of the time. It would be awesome. Mm -hmm. The teaching part is a really fun area, though, because you get to share your passion with others and just kind of see their eyes light up when you're telling them all this stuff and Mm -hmm. watching them learn and do the technique that you're showing them. I don't know. It's just I really like that. It's makes you feel like you're passing the torch, so to speak, into the next generation. So even though I'm young, it's still nice to kind of see younger people get involved with that. It's very true. And now... I mean, you have people like me who come into hunting and come into this industry and this community in their Mm -hmm. 30s. So even though you're younger, you do have valuable information to pass on. And that's something that, you know, I don't look at age across the spectrum. Mm -hmm. I mean, my kids can probably, even though they are as young as they are, can probably teach a couple things to new people who have come Mm -hmm. in at an older age. And I think that that's, you can't underestimate someone because of their age or because of their gender or because of any, anything that would cause you to think, oh, wait, you're like, you get you must be vegan. You must be vegetarian. It, mm-hmm. It's the question of, well, who are you? What are the yeah, passions totally. that you have instead of that assumption? And mm-hmm. we talk all the time, whether it's on here or it's in my family or if it's with a group of women, we talk a lot about how you learn a lesson and then you do it. And then Mm -hmm. you teach it. And that's just how it should flow. And all of those things can happen over years or they can happen in one day. You can learn how to do something, do it, and then pass it on to the next person behind you all in a matter of minutes sometimes, depending Mm -hmm. on that action. But each part of that, you are learning different things. You are learning so much when you are being taught it by somebody else. When you put your hands into action, there are things that you couldn't learn by just talking about it. And then when Mm -hmm. you teach somebody, there are things you take away from that that make you better at doing it yourself. Yeah, totally. You're learning how they do it, how they, oh Mm -hmm. my goodness, you did it differently, but it worked and that actually might be better. So you're continuing Mm -hmm. that learning process even through teaching. And I think that's what makes hunting exciting to me or fishing, whatever it is. I take away from passing on those skills. I take away so much whether it's in conversation or in the action of doing it, that I become a better person for it. Oh, yeah. I like the way you look at that. That's really cool. <laughs> it's, it doesn't take much. It can be just having – I mean, my daughter has started a mentorship program where she is oh. mentoring kids a little bit younger than her. And she had to write down why. Why do you want to do this? And she said, because mm-hmm. somebody did it for me. So why wouldn't oh. I want to do it for somebody else? And that it, it is that ingrained, you get taught, you do it, and now mm-hmm. you teach it. And it's something That's that- so sweet. It is so sweet. It makes me that. proud as a mom to see that she's yeah. taking lessons and, and applying them to her life. But I think that we as adults need to be able to do that. I need to be able to mm-hmm. look at her and say, okay, I've taught her that, but am I, it's almost a checks and balances. Am I doing yeah. that? that well. Totally. Am I yeah. am I leaving room 
to learn from somebody, even though they might be younger than me? Am I leaving room to take away something that they have that's valuable? And it just, it's all about having an open mind and keeping communication open. I completely agree. I, yeah, it's, we should be looking at the younger generation. Age doesn't matter. We Mm -hmm. shouldn't even be discussing that, but just be open to learning different things from different people because everyone's going to have a valuable perspective that may differ from yours. Um, So yeah, I think that's really special that your daughter's doing that. And (laughs) she's obviously looking up to you and watching your actions and what you're doing. So you should be really proud as a mom too. That's amazing. Well, thank you. I, I, I think that it's, it is a proud moment, but it's also a humbling moment because mm-hmm. she watches everything. My son watches Aww. everything. And so it is it is true accountability of, oh, they learned that from me, whether it's good or yeah. bad. And Aww. I think that's the benefit of having kids is they also make you a better person. So um, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I, I love my kids. They, I, they, I hear a lot that – their kid, people say, my kids are driving me crazy. Well, they can do that. But at the same time, I don't know. I learn a lot from them um, mm-hmm. about forgiveness and saying I'm sorry and things like that that I don't know if I would learn otherwise in teaching them how to do that. Um, I, I don't that. do it perfectly. Don't anybody ever say that I'm saying I do it perfectly. It, <laughs> I have a not. lot of lessons along the way. Um, mm-hmm. There are – I. We have just a couple of minutes left. And mm-hmm. again, we have a whole nother podcast that we're going to do because <laughs> you and I have a lot of talking to do. But yes, finding women impactful in our community, we've like this is this is hard to cover in just a few minutes. But I think that it's valuable as women that we talk about this. Um, our impact is huge. Mm hmm. It is huge. And you had brought up listening to the podcast with Ryan. Yeah, it was such a good podcast. I really enjoyed listening to that. <laughs> it's hearing it from a man's perspective when he has seen mm-hmm. it change over the years in the good and the bad and and highlighting the good. I think mm-hmm. that we definitely need to do it more. But the value that women bring to our community uh, whether it's in a biologist form, whether it's in conservation, whether it's like whatever, you're a hunter, you're a backpacker, you're what impact mm-hmm. you have is based on one other person. It's not thousands of people. It's one mm-hmm. other person. It's it's the person next to you in that moment. It's who reaches out to have a conversation, right? It's mm-hmm. I'm not focused on thousands of people. I'm fo- focused on one person. Who am I talking yeah. to in this moment? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, it's you. And yeah. and I think that, I mean, what do you think? What What kind of draws, if I say women impact community, what are the first things that come to your head? Honestly, social media to me has been really big. Mm -hmm. Um, Just seeing women in this industry, hunting, fishing, that to me is just so inspiring and motivating because at least growing up, social media wasn't even a thing. Um, And all I saw were my uncles and my dad and that sort of thing. You didn't really see a lot of women kind of 
taking part in those recreational activities. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, seeing those women in these areas doing big things and even like yourself, this podcast, like that's amazing. You're doing so much for our community and just extending, <laughs> extending gratitude to you because I think it's amazing that you're able to kind of bring the community together and shine some light on some amazing people who are doing some amazing things. Mm -hmm. um, so I think just for myself seeing that, it kind of gives me more more fuel in the fire. The fire's already big, but it just gets bigger because I just want to represent women in the best way possible. I want to see us in all facets of the industry. Um, we can do just as much as the boys can. Mm -hmm. um, don't discount us just because we're women. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just, yeah, I want to be the the shining light for a young girl who maybe also wants to be a biologist but hasn't seen many women take that area and roll with it, you know? Yeah. Um, so just, yeah, setting an example for the next young girls and even older women or girls that are starting out in their degrees, um, just being that role model in a male-dominated industry that yeah. I didn't really have growing up. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important. No, you and I are probably the same. We, I didn't know of any other female hunters until I got on mm -hmm. Instagram. Truly, I didn't. Yeah, Instagram is where it's at. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think that it, it does also hold me to that accountability of being authentic and being real. Mm -hmm. I had a conversation with Lee Ross a year and a half ago, and she said, I grew up seeing these pictures of women hunters, and they didn't look like me. Mm -hmm. I could not relate to them. And yeah. it is a constant reminder. I hold every single person that I reach out to, whether it's a referral or a recommendation or somebody that I have been following, that mm -hmm. mindset of what she said always sticks with me. Is this somebody totally. that not just me, not that I can relate to, but that many women can relate to, that it's not just this cookie cutter because we are all stinking different. Um, mm -hmm. I want at least one person to be able to find a story that they can go, okay, that's that's me. That's me. Yeah. That's another person. Yeah. I can totally. do this. And mm -hmm. so anyways, we have to close up. Um, I This is part one. We are going to do a part two. Look for that, Sounds everybody. Kara, <laughs> tell everybody how they can follow you real quick, and then we will um, we'll close up, and then we'll this will kind of be a to be continued. Perfect. Yeah, um, everyone can find me on Instagram. That's my uh, usual spot at Kara. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so K E R R A A A A. There's four A's in that. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, follow me on Instagram and uh, follow along my little journey here. Yeah, and ask questions. Uh, I think that mm -hmm. that's the most, uh, that's the easiest thing to do, right? Is to go totally. in there and have messages in there that you have questions about, whether it's waterfowl or mental health or conservation mm -hmm. of waterfowl. Like, how can we be partners in this? And you have a lot of valuable information to give so oh, thank you i love interacting so, uh, so yeah, yeah everybody, <laughs> everybody reach out if you have any questions and just because she's from canada americans <laughs> does not mean that it's not applicable wherever you are so um Kara, awesome. thank yeah. you thank you so much this has been awesome i really appreciate it amy good <laughs>